Welcome to the Happy Homeschool, where we talk about creative homeschool inspiration rooted in relationships for the nonconformist, dedicated parent. I'm Laura Blodgett. And my goal at the Happy Homeschool is to inspire and equip you to create a learning environment that makes home everyone's favorite place. You can always read more at thehappyhomeschool.com. Hello there, I'm Laura, and today we are going to be doing a re-recording of five distortions about sharing that parents need to understand, which is week 19 of 52 weeks to a better relationship with your child. Before we get into the meat of it, I want to share a little scenario that went on with a couple of my cute little four-year-old granddaughters a few weeks ago. They were over at my house playing with a few of the toys that I have on hand. One of them picked something up and was having a good time with it, and the other one noticed that she was having fun with it. And so she went over and she said, will you share with me? Well, the first little girl wasn't quite ready to give it up, and so she said no. And the second little girl came over to me complaining, she won't share with me. It is scenarios like this that highlight some of the misconceptions that both we and children have about what sharing is. After going over these five distortions about sharing, I'll tell you how I handled this particular situation. So first, five distortions about sharing that parents need to understand. The wrong approach to sharing can strain a parent-child relationship. The definition of share whether a noun or a verb, implies both ownership and voluntary action. Understanding ownership rights for children still under the guardianship of parents is crucial to understanding sharing in the home, so I recommend for a foundation that you revisit my post, Guidelines for Children's Property Rights in the Home. In regards to sharing, here are five common distortions of sharing. One, if you are nice, you will share. Two, you need to share if asked. Three, everything should be shared. Four, there can be rules about sharing. And five, sharing leads to great friendships. Let's look at these prevalent claims one at a time, keeping in mind that there will be some overlap. If you are nice, will you always share? Deciding with whom and when to share something is a multifaceted decision. I suppose that if both parties have good attitudes and motives in the transaction, then maybe it is almost always nice to share. What makes this statement obviously lacking is asking the question, how much sharing is enough? If sharing is always the nice thing to do, then does it have to be equal? Would it be better to just give the other person everything you have? Or maybe you think that sharing a certain thing would be bad for that person or not allow you to use the thing in a better way. The owner of something should not be limited to what is currently judged nice by non-owners. Even if there is no concrete plan to use the resources in another way, an owner of something should feel free to refrain from sharing even if the only reason is saving for later possibilities. Doing so does not make him a non-nice person, especially if there is no life-altering need by someone else. What does it mean when a person asks someone to share? This could be more accurately called begging. Children should be taught that such requests should be limited to times of extreme need or as part of very close relationships. 
They should not ask except under those special circumstances, and they should be wary of people who feel free to ask for things. Of course, parents usually have the kind of relationships with their children that makes children feel free to ask. Parents do their children a disservice by sharing whenever a child asks. By doing so, they miss opportunities to help their children feel comfortable saying no to others who try to guilt them into sharing. For instance, I have known parents who felt they had to sneak into a bathroom to eat their own food or a special treat. This should not be so. A child can learn that sometimes a parent gets to enjoy something without giving it to everyone who begs. I was recently with a grandchild watching a show that was supposed to teach about sharing. One character was working hard in the orchard to harvest his crop. Another character came by while playing and asked for some of the hard-earned produce. The working character was pressured by the others to share. A show that wants to teach genuine sharing would involve more honest evaluation of the situation. Any asking should be well-tempered with humility on the part of the ask-e, rather than a sense of entitlement. And what about balancing it with a segment about not selfishly asking for other people's stuff? Some things are not meant to be shared. Sharing is often presented to children as all-inclusive. This is confused in two major ways. First of all, many of the things they are told to share are not even theirs. What is really happening is that they are being allowed to use something with guidelines. This is especially true for younger children. Most of the things in a home belong to the parent, even the toys. A more useful approach can be take turns or use it together nicely. Once it is made clear who something really belongs to, the issues of common use become more clear. If something clearly belongs to a child, a parent can still set guidelines without attempting to force sharing. Maybe the item should not be brought out when there are certain visitors. If guests are being treated poorly or ignored, it might be best to put something away for a while. Secondly, adults don't highly value things the same way children do. This can lure parents into treating children's belongings as more trivial. This will frustrate a child. Most adults would consider it obnoxious if a friend kept asking to borrow a car or take half of the groceries from the pantry. When you scale this down, this is too often what is asked of children. They are expected to share everything they have. You can't force someone to love you. Setting guidelines for behavior in the home is not the same thing as forcing a child to share something. The truth is that if a parent forces sharing of something that the child really owns, then ownership has been usurped. Sharing is not taking place on the child's part because the thing in question is no longer his. Just like you can't force someone to love you, you can't force someone to share. A parent can teach a child all the reasons for sharing and the situations in which sharing would be a good choice. Still, the choice has to be the child's for it to be sharing. Good friends have your best interests in mind. A good friend doesn't hang around because of what you can give them. A good friend cares more for the camaraderie and mutual emotional support through life. Sharing ends up being natural and incidental. Some people hang around to get what they can. All the sharing in the world won't make them better friends. 
In fact, they tend to be the askers and the manipulators. The best way to weed out such acquaintances is to stop sharing. There are definitely times when we choose to share with strangers or those who will only be loosely connected. For this, or any other sharing, to be truly meaningful, we have to basically forget about it. If we want friendships with people, we can't hold our sharing over them any more than they should try to manipulate us into sharing. What is the right way to share? Sharing is not a one-dimensional issue. There is no easy answer to every situation or relationship. We need to help our children learn to evaluate their childhood opportunities to share so that they will be better equipped to share wisely and with pure hearts when they are adults. Now, regarding the incident with my two granddaughters, there were a couple of factors involved, as you may have now surmised from listening to the previous discussion. One was what was being played with did not belong to either of them, and the other was that the one child didn't really want to share, she wanted it for herself. Because the asking child quickly responded to my evaluation of the situation and explaining it to her, we then talked all together and figured out how taking turns would work and make everybody happy. A timer was involved, and oddly enough, the taking of turns became a bit of a game that I think they enjoyed as much as playing with the toy itself. That's all on this topic for today. When you go to thehappyhomeschool.com, don't forget to check out the store where you can find some mugs and t-shirts with fun sayings. Uh, one of my favorites is, every time you argue with me, it increases my superpowers. This can be a reminder to both you and your children that when you get into a good discussion about something, that it makes you better able to talk about it and present your perspective better. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Make sure you have signed up for the Dangerously Helpful Homeschool Dispatch. When you do, you will receive my best 25 homeschool tips. Now go out there and have fun creating a fantastic homeschooling experience for you and your children. 